Well, I'm excited to get to speak to you this morning. Pastor Lawrence is in California. He is with Ken Spicer, who was with us a few weeks ago. So he's out there this weekend, and I get to speak to you guys, so I'm excited about that. Uh, so let's just jump in. If you've got something to take notes, get that out. Um, we always talk to our students in our college ministry a lot about, you know, if you really come expecting to receive something from God, then you need to have something to be able to write down what it is that he's speaking. So if you don't have something to take notes, steal something from your neighbor, get ready. Um, but let's come expecting this morning. How many of you guys want to hear something from the Lord? Anybody? A couple of us. I hope you guys are ready. Uh, so I'm going to jump right in. The title of my message today is Enjoy the Ride, okay? Um, I'm going to tell them myself off the bat. All right. But a couple years ago, we were getting ready for our fall festival event that we do in October. Uh, phenomenal event. A couple thousand people on campus and we're able to do different setup. Kids ministry does a great job with that. How many of you guys have been to that event? It's great. It's coming up. Um, so we'll need volunteers when we get there. Anyway, just a quick plug. <laughs> Throwing that out there. Uh, but here's the thing. I was out and I was picking up a bunch of stuff for this event. Anybody ever have so much on your plate that all you can do is think about all the things that need to still happen that you haven't got to yet? Anybody? So I'm driving back to the church. I've just picked up a Lotus. I'm like, all right, we got to set this up here. We got to do this. We got flyers here. We got to pick up this here. We got to go here. And my mind is completely wrapped in all the things that I still need to do. And I was driving downtown. And how many of you realize downtown stoplights aren't real conducive to not being real honed into driving conditions. So there was a stoplight immediately in front of me and another one like 50 feet. Why they do that makes no sense. Anyway, uh, that's a different discussion. So my light turned green and I started going. I'm thinking, okay, I need this. I need, I got to do this, get here. Uh, but the second one did not. I found out really quickly uh, when the van that was going through the intersection stopped my car abruptly. Um, <laughs> yeah. My bad. Uh, but I was like, oh my gosh. And all of a sudden, my world stopped from everything that needed to happen to the moment I was in right now. Right? How many of you guys realize my mind should have been in the moment I was in right now already? Right? Like, that's real easy for us to agree on in that scenario. But how many of us live our life so worried about what we don't have and what we need and what might come that we miss what God's trying to do in the moment that we live in right now? See, and that's the thing is immediately something went wrong where I was at and my attention went from everything that needed to happen to the crisis that I was dealing with at the moment. And most of us live our life that exact same way. God, if I could only, if only, one day maybe, oh my gosh, everything is falling apart. And we miss the beauty of what God's doing in the moment because we're so distracted by everything that might be one day. You follow me. Guys, enjoy the ride. Enjoy what God's doing in the moment. That doesn't mean it's going to be perfect all the time. In fact, here earlier this summer, we went on a trip. My family went down to Sulphur Springs and the little waterfalls and stuff. And there's a great place. We're down there and we're on our way. And you know what? Google took us on some wrong turns. Right? You know what? We didn't care. We were just having fun, right? You guys ever been on a trip and the person you're with, the, in, the conversation is so engaging and so good that when you finally get there, it's like, oh, wait. Man, that went by quick. Anybody ever done that before? Why? It's because you're so engaged in the moment that everything else going on around you didn't matter. Guys, if we can learn to engage God in our moments, all the things we don't have or that might be seem to slip away because we're so focused on what God's doing in the right here, right now. Do you follow me? I'm not saying don't plan for your future. I'm not saying don't have an idea of where things are going. I'm saying don't be so focused on what you need that you miss out on what you have. 
because God's entrusted you and he's given you things and they're right there in your grasp, but you miss them every day if we get the wrong perspective and the perspective is part of what I wanna talk to you about today. Let me give you quick marriage advice. Wives, you get ready to clap for this one. How many of you realize when, husbands, when you come home and your wife has done something great in the house that you need to compliment what it is that she's done, not focus on what didn't get done, right? I had a, I had a guy that I was talking to one day uh, he got married and his wife was going to be a stay-at-home wife and he came home uh, and he told me, he said, I walked in the front door and she said, how was your, I said, oh, it's good. And he ran his finger across the top of the bookcase and goes, yours wasn't very busy, I see. <laughs> yeah. He was like, she got real mad. I was like, you think? Like, what are you, what was wrong with you? What's your problem? How many of you guys realize that's a bad decision, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. He never made that mistake again. But this is the thing, like, who cares? Right? How many times do we get so focused on stuff that really doesn't matter? Because I want to give you a perspective that we need to understand as the church. Because there really are kind of two veins of thought when it comes to the church. There's a religious perspective, and there's a loving perspective. And the religious perspective is, well, you didn't get this done, you didn't do this, you didn't accomplish this, here's all the things that you've done wrong in your life. And the loving perspective is, here's the purpose that I have for you. Here's the plan that God has for your life. And you know what? I know that you've made mistakes, but God can redeem those and he can take you somewhere new. Do you see the difference? See, and here's the thing. If we begin to understand this, we can kind of define which of those spirits we begin to operate in pretty easy in our life. Let me help you. If you find yourself in a spot where you're looking at all of the well, I need to be better at this. I can't do this. If I, don't, if I do this wrong, then I'm a horrible person. If I can stop doing this, then I can be a good Christian. You find yourself comparing to all the things that you need to do, and if you can stop doing all of these strong things wrong, then you'll be good. The problem is that's not even biblical. Let me just help you out real quick. Okay, because Romans 12, 21 says it this way. Don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. It's not about being focused on what you can't do, but it's about being focused on what you can do. And as you're given to the things of God, all of a sudden you begin to lose time and focus on the things that would draw you away from him because your perspective is changed off what you can't do to what you can do. It's the reason God called you out of sin, not called you in your sin. He called you out of sin to be a son and daughter of God. Do you follow me? There's a difference between a judgmental spirit and a loving nature of God, and we've got to understand the difference because here's the thing. Jesus didn't come to establish an organized religion that hated everybody else. He came to establish the church that was based on a loving relationship with the world around it. Do you follow me? Jesus came to mend a relationship that was broken. For some of you who just got lost right there, when Adam and Eve sinned, it broke relationship with God. The purpose of Jesus coming was to mend the relationship that had originally been broken. And in doing so, I love this because Jesus says, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill it. Guess what? That doesn't mean Old Testament, now that's not important, and New Testament's all that is important. It doesn't mean now we don't have to follow the Ten Commandments because Jesus came and said, if we love God and love others, we're good. No, no, no. What he said is, I came to complete the law. Now the wages of sin is death, and I am the one and only lamb. You follow me? to cover all of those sins and all of the things that you've done wrong. Now you can walk in grace. Now you can walk in the promise because I'm restoring a relationship that was broken. Hear me, because if you want to get technical, when he says love God and love others, let me help you. The Ten Commandments really fall into those two. Really every commandment that Jesus gave falls into those two. Let me help with that. 
okay? Don't murder. Love your neighbor, okay? Pretty much covered, right? Think about this. Love God. Don't put any other idols in front of him. Makes sense, right? Don't make any graven image. Don't worship anything other than God. Those all fall under love God. Love others. Don't covet your neighbor's wife. Falls under love others, right? It's kind of so, you, you follow me. Like, we don't have to get super technical and say, well, now we can do anything we want because of the grace of God. No, no, no. Now, because of the grace of God, it's not that you can do anything you want. It's now that you can be everything he's called you to be. And there's a difference in perspective. And it's not about living in what you can't do and who you can't be because God didn't call you by what you couldn't do. He called you by what you can do. And if we begin to see ourselves through the perspective of who he can create you to be, then we stop living in this heartbroken perspective that just holds us captive to the idea that I can never be who God's called me to be because of all the junk of my past. See, let me help you with something. If we can begin to view ourselves through this perspective, it'll change everything about who we are. But if we can begin to realize that how God views you, what God views you are capable of is more important than what your view of, let me, let me read it to you so I say it right because I'm butchering it right there. What God says you are capable of is more important than what you're confident in. Just because you don't feel confident stepping out in something doesn't mean you're not capable to do it. Just because you're not confident in being who God's called you to do doesn't mean you're not capable to be who God's called you to be. Just because your situation looks bad doesn't mean you can't be everything God created and called you to be. Because the truth of it is he called you out of your past to be who, part of your future. Do you follow me today? We spend so much time looking at what we came out of and trying to cover scars and get people to clean themselves up. A religious perspective is you've got to get yourself cleaned up before you can come to God. That's not a biblical perspective. Biblical perspective is this. God called you and you're obedient. When Jesus called the disciples, they didn't go through a 10-year training process to learn to be disciples so they could follow Jesus. They got out of the boat. It was that simple. When you feel the calling and the prompting of God, you get out of the boat. You get out of your situation and you begin to follow. I don't care your past. I don't care your mistakes. I don't care what you did wrong. God's going to redeem those and use them. Stop covering your scars. Please hear me. Stop covering your scars. Because it's a symbol of God's grace and victory in your life. You follow me. But we look at those things, it's like, well, we've got to clean all this up to be who God's called us to be. No, you don't. You've simply got to be available to be who God's called you to be. And here's the thing. Let me switch perspectives, because I don't want to spend the entire time talking about what we shouldn't be. Let's talk about what we should be, right? Because what we should be is the loving nature of God. And here's the thing. God restored relationship. Relationship is simple. Relationship is expressed in this, love and action. It's the reason the Bible says faith without works is dead. Because I can say I love my neighbor, but if I'm not doing anything to help benefit him, am I really loving him? We've all heard this saying before, actions speak louder than words. Why? Because love requires action. Guys, here's the thing. God's called us to accomplish so much in our world, but until we can begin to engage our actions with our mouth and the actions with our hands so that those line up, the world will never truly see the heart of Jesus. 
We've got to begin to understand the perspective that Jesus carried. And I love this because if you look, John 4, when Jesus talks to the woman at the well, I'm not going to jump into the story a lot, but I just want to hit it really quick because there's something amazing that happens. He walks up and he starts a conversation with somebody. Let me give you a quick background. The woman at the well, she was a Samaritan. He was a Jew. They didn't talk. Culturally, you don't do that. First off, culturally, guys didn't go up and talk to girls anyway. Second of all, a Samaritan in that culture and time was considered to be lower than low. They were lower than a dog. So the fact that Jesus walked up and addressed her, he spoke directly to her. (laughs) You got to catch this this morning. He dignified her with a conversation before he spoke into her situation. And let me tell you right now, we live in a world that needs some conversations to be happening, but those cannot happen until we begin to dignify people with a conversation. I don't care if you agree on their political affiliation. I don't care if you agree on their sexual orientation. I don't care what you agree or disagree on them with until you dignify them with a conversation. You cannot effectively convey the heart of God. It's time that we begin to have a real conversation in the world around us, showing the loving nature in the heart of God. Now, hear me very clearly. I'm not saying you just accept anything and everything because our obligation is to speak truth with love. Because, see, first Jesus dignified her with a conversation. Then he spoke to her situation. But we've got to have them in the proper order. Because, see, we spend so much time as the church telling people everything that they've done wrong and all the things that are wrong in their life. And if you could just fix this, then there would be God could really use you. That sounds real religious to me. Right? Clean yourself up before God can use you. There was a lot more cheers when I said it the other way. Right? What's the difference? Because one is saying, look, I don't care what your situation and circumstance. God's got a call on your life. And it's not our job to clean, up the, clean them up in the middle of their situation. It's our job to speak love and to speak truth. It's God's job to fix and clean up whatever he needs to fix and clean up. Every single one of us in here, let me, let me help y'all out. Every single one of us in here has things that we need to fix and clean up. Some of them are a little more buried than others. Some of them are a little more hidden than others. But here's the thing. Just because someone's outward sin isn't as obvious as your hidden one, doesn't mean they're the only one at fault. See, we need to just get open about the fact we've all got issues and we serve a loving God who in the middle of our issues still called you for greatness. He still created you for a legacy. He still created you for relationship. That's why faith requires action. Because for us to truly be in relationship with people that he's called us to be in relationship, love requires action. In fact, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13 puts it this way. Though I give all my gifts to the poor, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. It doesn't matter the action if the heart's not right. You've got to have the heart and the action. It's the same reason faith without works is dead, because there has to be a heart and an action. And until those are coupled together, we're not truly expressing who God is to the world around us. And for us to be the church and be effective in the things God has called us to be, we need to begin to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the world around us. So so how do we do that? Let me 
let me help you. I want to give you some clarity here because I'm not just throwing these out here. I want to give you some of the biblical foundation for this. We like to quote John 3, 16, that God so loved the world he gave his only son. But John 3, 17 is a very important factor. Jesus sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. It is not your job to judge the world. It is Jesus' job to save the world. It's our job to love the world. Okay, and when we get to show the love of Jesus to the world, then he is able to reach in and save them and reach them in the middle of their situation because they've seen his heart through us. Do you follow me? It's much like this, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. God, sa God saved you by his grace when you believe that you cannot take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for good things you've done so that no one can boast about it. I don't care how good you've been. That doesn't make you godly. Some of y'all like, you're like, oh yeah, that's good. No, some of y'all need to think about that a minute. <laughs> it's not about how good you've been that makes you godly, which means it's not about all the things that you've done wrong that would keep you from it. Do you follow me? It's our willingness to step outside of ourselves and be obedient to the voice of God in our life. Your legacy is determined by your willingness to be obedient to the voice of God in your life. What difference do you make on this planet? What difference do you make in the relationships that God has entrusted you to? Your legacy is directly determined by your willingness to be obedient to the voice of God in your life. Not how comfortable you are with what he says, but how obedient you are when he tells you to go. God, there's, there is such a difference in that perspective. And if we can understand the loving heart of God and then couple it with the serving heart of God, we really do begin to unlock something in the world around us. I keep saying, by the way, faith without works is dead, but just if you're taking notes, that's James 2.17 for the record. See, here's the thing. There's so much that we can take when we listen to culture and the things that are going on in our culture around us. And I, I love earlier what Jeff was saying because he began to talk about David in the cave. I love that story. You know why? This is something I found really amazing myself, but the thing about David when he was in the cave, we all know about David and Goliath. We talk about that a lot. We talk about the victory that came through David's obedience, but I want you to hear me because what God promised David wasn't the palace, it was a kingdom. And his victory took him to the palace but it was his obedience that gave him a kingdom. When we begin to live out of the victories in our life, we may get a, you may get your life to look a lot like the promise that God gave you, but you will never fully experience the promise God gave you until we get submitted and humble ourselves to the places he's called us to go. Because here's the thing, the victory took him to the palace, but it wasn't until he was in the cave that God began to bring the people to surround him and establish the kingdom he called him to lead. It was the people that God brought to David in the cave that began to establish the kingdom. Do you follow me? In fact, it says when David called his mighty men that they had been proven in battle. David, when he became king, if you remember, he had been hiding in the cave. He had been running from Saul. He wasn't a soldier in the military. But when he was in the cave, all these people came to him, and he began to protect Israel with an army that he formed in the cave. So when he became king and it says they had been proven in battle, 
These weren't people that he had just met. These are people he had fought alongside. These are people who had hidden in the cave with him. These are people that God had brought around him to surround him, to promote him to the place that God had anointed him. See, the people that God's put in your life are very key to where God's called you to go. And I remember when I first got married, my parents wanted to help with different things and they would come up and, hey, we want to buy this for you. We want to take care of this. We know you're trying to take care, do this, that, or the other thing. Or my in-laws would come and, hey, we just, want to, we just want to bless you guys and we want to get groceries this week or something like that when we first got married. And I remember getting so frustrated and talking to Jana and I'm like, I'm the, I can take care of our family. Like, I don't need everybody to give us a handout, right? Hear me because one of the most amazing things anyone's ever said to me came out of that conversation. Because I had somebody look at me and said, look, just because you can do it yourself doesn't mean you need to do it yourself. God's put people in your life to help you and to give into you and to sow into you so that you can go further than you ever could have gone on your own, so that you can do more than you ever would have been capable on your own. The people around you, God has placed there to help promote you to the place that he's anointed you. Stop trying to do everything on your own. You were called to be connected. Genesis 2.18. I love this because it talks, it's 2.18 through, tell you the right verse, 2.18 through 25. And this is where God creates all of the heaven and all of the earth. And, and I love this because he creates all of humanity, everything that exists. And he looks at it and says, oh, this is good. He created the heavens. This is good. He created the earth. This is good. He created man. And it was the first time he didn't say this was good. He said, it's not good that man should be alone. And he created woman. From the very nature of your creation, God put relationship inside you. Stop trying to fight alone. Stop trying to carry everything alone. Stop carrying the burdens of life alone. Enjoy the ride. Stop thinking you've got to plan ahead and fight your way to the top because you don't. He surrounded you with people to fight alongside you. He surrounded you with people to help you get where he's called you to go. You weren't called to do this alone. Enjoy the ride. But we get so caught up in our moment, and if things could just look this way or be this way or act this way, if my kids could just behave, right? Enjoy the moment. Because sometimes there are those moments where you just look and it's like, I, I can't do anything but laugh right now, right? Like I'm, first day of school this week. I get up, and I'm like, I'm get up early. I am, I'm going to be like, super dad, I'm going to make sure they have a great breakfast getting ready for school. I'm going to handle this, and I'm, they're going to love it. First day. So I get up an hour earlier than I planned, and I get up, and I make scrambled eggs and sausage, and like I'm making breakfast first day of school, right? They're in. I'm like, all right, guys, come sit at the table. It's time for breakfast. Got them up early, and I open the fridge to get some cheese. Bink. That whole plate of everything I just spent an hour making right in the middle of the floor. Bible verses were not what was wanting to come out of my mouth at that moment. I'm just being honest because I saw that and I thought, dear Lord, are you kidding me? I got up early. I made breakfast over some cheese. I was like, here's some Pop-Tarts, kids, get to school. <laughs> wasn't quite like that. It wasn't quite like that, but I did wind up giving them whatever, and 
I was so frustrated. And my wife, I love it. She's just like, just, just give him something else. Give him Pop-Tarts. It's all going to be okay. Like, it's not okay. Look at the floor. I got sauce. They love sausage. Sausage. the floor. Right? Like, this is not what I wanted the morning to look like. But you know what? I sucked it up. I gave him, I don't remember what it was. I think it was Pop-Tarts, actually. And we got in the car, and we went to school. But you know what? The whole drive there, I could have been mad because my entire morning was ruined. I wasn't. You boys excited for school? That's exact, no lie. Like, that's exactly what happened. And they're like, yeah, I am. I can't wait to my new teacher. I can't blah, blah, blah. And they just started talking. And all of a sudden, it just hit me. It was like, who cares? So we started engaging about, oh, who's your new, what friend do you can't wait to see? And we had this great exchange and this great moment on the way to school, despite everything going wrong. Enjoy the moment. It doesn't ruin your day. It's not the end of your life. Grow up. God wants to do something in your situation. If we can stop worrying about all the failures, all the things that went wrong, and realize that we are the loving extension of God. Ministry is important, and the place God's called me is important to me. But there is no other ministry more important than that that I have to my kids. And if I can't be the loving heart and nature of God to them, how are they ever going to see it in the church? Guys, that doesn't apply to me because I'm a pastor. That applies to everybody in this room because we're Christians. You want your family to see church a certain way? Then be the loving heart and nature of God to them. That's how the world begins to get a real picture of who Jesus is because your relationships begin to show the evidence of God's love in every area and circumstance. Even though you disagree, even though eggs are on the floor, you follow me. Stop being so consumed with everything that went wrong. If I can get the band to start coming back up. And let's be consumed with the loving nature and the heart of God. Stop missing your moments that are right now. Do you realize that almost all of the miracles that Jesus did were in the inconvenient moments? Most of them were on the way to do ministry. And someone stopped him on the side of the road. Or he was walking through town and someone touched the hem of its garment. Or he was preaching a message and somebody cut a hole in the roof. That's a pretty big one. But if we spend our life trying to organize, detail out every second of every minute, let's tell the truth. How many of you, when you get up and it's like, all right, it's a day that I've got to go to work. If I leave my house at 725, that means I can get on the highway by 732 and I can make it three minutes before I have to be at work. Anybody else? Then you get on the highway and it's backed up with traffic. And it's like, God, why don't you love me? Right? We all do it, and we get mad and angry, and we get to work, and it's like, fine, show the love of Jesus to these people. Because we're so mad because all of a sudden, things didn't go the way we had it planned. Who cares? Make time for the interruption. Hear me. Learn to make time for the interruption. Because that's the place God's going to do the most amazing things in your life. 
It's not through the seconds that you've planned out. It's not through everything that you thought was going to be amazing because the truth of it is God's plans are way bigger than what you thought was going to be awesome. If you can take a step back and allow him to be God in your situation and just enjoy the ride. When things start going wrong, realize God's got a bigger plan. When things start falling apart in your life, realizing God's got a bigger plan. When the door you so badly want to get through won't open, maybe it's not your door. God's got a plan. And trust him in the moment that you don't understand because that's the place your faith is really tested. Not when everything goes right. Not when everything goes exactly how you want it to be. If our lives as Christians say, I'm a great Christian as long as everything goes my way, then we're not great Christians. We're big babies. But if we really want to be spiritually mature, it means being able to stand on our faith in the word of God when things don't go our way. It's being able to show the love of God in conversation with people who we disagree with. It's being able to say, look, I'm going to serve you not to get you to a service. I'm going to serve you not to get you to a community group. I'm going to serve you because it's what the heart of God says I should do. And when we begin to live like that, the world begins to change. So if you're in here today, and want everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're in here and you say, you know, the truth of it is I've been far too concerned with the stuff of life, and I haven't allowed myself to really trust God in the things that I don't understand or the situations that don't make sense. And today I need God to move in my life. There's something I'm facing, and I've tried to plan it all out, and I just need God's hand at it. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All over. Thank you. All over. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, I pray right now for every person who had the courage to lift their hand. God, I thank you that your word says that when we seek you, we will find you when we seek you with all of our heart. God, I pray right now as they respond to your prompting that you would move in their situation. God, I thank you that you have a plan that's greater than our plan. God, I pray you'd give them peace in the middle of whatever they're walking through. I thank you that your peace passes all understanding. It doesn't need to be a peaceful situation for your peace to show up. And God, I pray your provision in the middle of their life, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.